Welcome to the Earthshaking Conversations podcast. I'm the host, Clarina Paquette. Today, we welcome back David Pointing to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, no problem. So usually I love to kind of dig deep into people's life. So that's what we're going to do today. So can you start by telling us uh, where you grew up and you know, where you were born? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in the UK, um, specifically in Portsmouth and Southampton. Yeah, two cities on the uh, south coast, like the very south coast of England. Um, they're really close to each other, about 20 kilometers apart. So they're pretty much these days almost connected. Um, but it's uh, I lived like right in the middle between the two. So like where I lived, if you walked out of my street and go to the next street, you would effectively be in the other city. So I was like right on the on the barrier. Um, and I lived in a bit of Southampton and a bit of Portsmouth, but always within like uh, a couple of kilometers distance from each other. Um, and I grew up there um, until I was an adult, pretty much. So Interesting. Um, what was your family situation growing up? Say again, sorry? Like your family situation, like how many siblings did you have? Uh, okay, so I have two brothers. I've got an older brother who is uh, three years older than me. And a younger brother who is seven years younger than me. Um, my parents, uh, my mum was a pretty much a stay-at-home mum. She did childminding mostly um, when I was growing up um, until I was until I was an adult. Really, she was a childminder, and my dad was in the navy, so he was always away. And so, how was your experience like having a stay-at-home mom? Do you think it like affected your life? Did you, do you think it shaped you for the better? Um, honestly, as a kid, I never really made anything of it. Um, I was never like, oh, why do you work in other parents' mums? Why, do, why don't you work really in other parents' mums work? It was, I, I always thought it was a positive because she always had, uh, like children. She was childminding my age almost. Um, so like when I was 10, there was a, a guy called, uh, Jonathan, who was a good friend of mine. He still is a good friend of mine. Um, and he was like the year above me, but he was born like three months before me so we were pretty much exact same age and we were really good friends and he would come around after school every day and it would like i'd have a friend after school every day so it was kind of a kind of a bonus for me it was really good yeah and and how is your dad being away like as well do you do you think it kind of how do you think it affected you in, um... in childhood again like in childhood it, it was just a norm because uh, a lot of my childhood, up until I was about 13, we lived in a, a place called a, like a Mary Quarter, it's called, which is like military housing. So everybody who lived around me was also military, right? So all of the kids, all of their dads mostly, who's 99% dads, would be going away for nine months at a time. And it's kind of just what it was. Um, we're all the same. Um, it wasn't like I'd go somewhere and their dads would be there and my dads weren't. It was always it was always dads were away, so it didn't really uh it didn't really make make much difference in my childhood. Um I don't think it negatively affected me. So Yeah, and how was uh so you mentioned you had two I think brothers, one seven years yep. younger and one three years older. Um yep. 
how how's your or how was your relationship with them growing up um kind of how any brothers would be i guess um i was never like super close to them they're brothers you know they're kind of like they're your enemies but they're also your brothers so um my older brother was like he was always doing stuff um we didn't really share much interest he wasn't really interested in sport where i was interested in sport so he was kind of he was the cool kid who'd go and hang around the shops and you know on a sunday he'd go out to a field and sit with all his buddies in a field and i'd be on the other side of the field playing football with my friends so um i didn't really do much with my older brother and then my little brother was always too little really to do anything with me so like when i was 10 he was three when i was 16 he was nine so um he was always too young to really do anything with me but like in the house i had a good relationship with my little brother and i'm still good friends with him today so oh nice yeah um i don't well my i have a little sister but she's only like a year younger and it was like a constant like chat fight in my house yep constantly growing up me and my sister were at each other's throats literally like very <laughs> i miss those days <laughs> yeah i i'm i was i was lucky in that sense that they're like a much different age group um so i didn't really have those issues um the one good thing i had with my older brother was he was in year 11 which is like the last year in U the uk school system and i was in year seven which is the first year in the last school you go to so high school you're there from the age of 11 to 16 and i was i was there in year seven he was in year 11 so anytime like there was kids who would, like bully me on the playground or anything when i was playing football with the older kids so i was quite good um like my brother would come over and be like oh you want to start on him i start on me then sort of thing so he protected me and stuff which was nice but we never really had a rivalry or anything because we were such different ages so it was kind of it was good yeah yeah no i totally i i see that i had a different experience with my sister because she yeah. was it was so close and you know my sister i, I don't know she, i guess she like always thinks she's in competition with me so even yeah. today, she'll, like, you know, say stuff, and I'm just like, why are you like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so tell me about your teenage years um, going to high school. Um. So my dad left the Navy when I was 13, so he was always at home. And uh, through school, I was... I was I was either doing three things. I was either at school, I was playing football slash soccer, or I was on my Xbox. I, that's all I did. Um, I had no interest in girls, no interest in shopping, no interest in like camping, no interest in anything. It was football, soccer, Xbox, or I was at school. So i really enjoyed my childhood a lot of people will be like oh don't you feel like you missed out and i'm like absolutely not it's like what would you do more if you uh, had the chance of like more football and more xbox so <laughs> i i really enjoyed my childhood i've got nothing negative to say about it it was, it was a great childhood growing up um yeah it was good <laughs> yeah no that sounds great um yeah me too i was like for me it was cows i just loved yep. cows and <laughs> not the best thing when you're going to school with a bunch of non-farmers but yeah. um i just didn't care 
about what other yeah. people thought. I was like, well, yeah. Probably similar to you then, because I, I didn't care about looking cool in school, you know, when it came to shoes. I was like, yeah, whatever ones you want to buy me, mum. They're fine. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I want to wear the rock, I want to have the rock ports, which are like the expensive ones. And I want a Helly Hansen jacket, because that's what all the kids are wearing. I was just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I'm here to be at school, because I have to be. And then when I get on the Xbox, I show them who's the boss, because I'm the best. So <laughs> that was always my thing. But yeah for me like i remember conning my mom my mom went, wanted me to like buy my own clothes and i literally told her like i'm not buying my own clothes so if you want me to have new clothes you're gonna have to buy it yep. so <laughs> all throughout my childhood i was just banking my money that i made off of my cows and, and my animals yeah. and stuff and then my mom she felt like forced to like buy all my clothes because yeah. i wouldn't do it i was like too bad so sad like yeah, it was pretty funny. So, um, after high school, um, mm -hmm. what did you do? Um, so after high school, I went to college, which in the UK system is like, um, the kind of in between, between school and university. So school in the UK is from five to 16 and it's purely school. It is math, science, English, history, geography. Um, there's a little bit of like technology stuff, like wood tech, cooking, but like not really. It's kind of like a side thing. Um, and then at the age of 16, you go to college for two years or three years, depending, and you kind of learn your, um, like you specify. So you go into, that's when people would go into like plumbing or, um, electronics or whatever, or you'd go into physics and maths and you'd kind of push that to a, a level higher than school ready for university. Um, and I went for, um, internet technology. Um, I wanted to do coding, um, computer science and stuff. Uh, I did that for a year and then went, oh, I really don't like this. This is really boring Saturday school day. So I went into, um, public services, which is kind of getting you ready for being a public servant. So police, fire service, ambulance, um, and the military. So air force army and navy and i did public services for two years um and yeah i passed with flying colors <laughs> so after you graduated from uh college what did you end up doing um at the age of uh, straight after school i went and just worked in a shop um and i worked there for quite a while about six eight six seven months and then i started kind of progressing um and they're gonna they offered me a kind of management role um which is really weird for like a 19 year old to get like a management role offered to them um and what they did was they're like yeah we're gonna train you for three months so you can get ready and you can step into it and you know exactly what you're doing so the older people don't get upset that some guy who doesn't know what he's doing is in charge of them and i was like yeah that's fine so i did the three months and uh pretty much two days before i was meant to get my contract signed and everything they he, the manager brought me in the office and he went i'm really sorry but um management above me have gone over my head and they've given the job to someone else and i said okay in that case i quit and i walked out and i never went back um i phoned up the careers office for the military two days later and i joined the air force two months after that so I joined the Air Force, in, in short. 
Yeah, so tell me about uh, being in the Air Force. Yeah, so mili the military is a really weird... It's a really weird place. Like, it's not... I, I can't explain it um, in, a, in, a, in a way that a civilian would fully grasp it unless they've kind of experienced it. Um, like, you're in a position where they trust you with a rifle and to shoot people but they don't trust you to have a toaster in your bedroom. You know, you're like, you're, you have all of this responsibility and you're lauded as this person who puts their life on the line for queen and country or now king and country, but you're not allowed to have a toaster in your room. Every week, someone's going to come in and make sure that you've made your bed in the morning and you've vacuumed, you know. Um, like, it's... It, it, it's really weird like you're expected to be this like high functioning soldier but you're also treated like a five-year-old child so yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's it's a weird one um but it was good there was it was really good points to the military there's really bad points i always say like the best decision i ever made was joining the air force and then the best decision i made after that was leaving so if I could do it again, I would 100% join again. Um, and I'd do six years again, and I'd get out. Because it really um, taught me a lot as a person, but it definitely wasn't the life I wanted to live forever. Um, it wasn't It wasn't fulfilling in the way I thought it would be. Yeah, so why do you think they... Um, why do you think the military treats you like a child, but also, you know, gives you so much responsibility um i think it's because a lot of the people in the military are children <laughs> like um there's guys like there's there's guys on the camp where they're like 42 years old they've been in 23 years they've never been promoted they have zero in savings you know and they're just like you wouldn't you wouldn't trust them to look after your cactus for a weekend it's it is there's, there's a lot in there where they're like, oh, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to, like, live life to the fullest. You know, every every penny or every cent they get is is spent every month, and they live life to the fullest. They go out every night. They have loads of fun. They go on loads of holidays. They buy, have a nice car, you know, but they have absolutely nothing to their name, and um, they just enjoy it, but they're also very irresponsible. There's a lot of very irresponsible people. Um there's a lot of uh, bad, uh, what's the word? Cultures within the within the um, military, like drinking cultures, really, really bad. You know, it'll be a Thursday night, and everybody will go out and get absolutely plastered. Um, and the next morning, they drive to work, and you can tell every single one of them is over the limit. Still, they're all just still drunk. They don't even have hangovers yet. They're still drunk. Um, and then they'll make it through the day and they'll go out again that night and keep drinking. So I guess that's the reason. You can't trust everyone, but you have to be fair. So if you can't trust everyone, you can trust no one, I guess. Interesting. So um, you mentioned that there was some plus and minuses to being in the military. Um, I was wondering if you could touch on those. Yeah, so um, in my in my specific trade, I was a logistics technician. 
So I was kind of in the supply system. So sending stuff to different places. Um, and you can, you can push your, you can push your education really far in the military. If you really want, you can go and start your degree and they'll fully fund your degree while you're in. So you can, if you get in there with the intention to use the service, your advantage is a lot of advantages to be taken. Um, you can travel a lot. Like I traveled all over the place. Um, I was America, the Falkland Islands, Cyprus, um, Australia, New Zealand, India, parts of Africa, a lot of Europe, all at the expense of the Air Force. Like I spent one week in a Bavaria in southern Germany, which is as close as I could get to where I live now in Alberta. Like, um, like scenery rise, really nice mountains, like lovely place. Um, and it was amazing. And I just did adventure training there. So I was, um, mountain biking, um, we did mountain, uh, gorge walking, uh, something called Klittersteigen, which is like climbing mountains on little, um, carabiners and you're like on little wires and stuff. And it was, it was fantastic. And the military pays for all of it. But then at the same time, you have the bad side, um, where you go away for six months to a place where you don't have any internet. Um, you can't text or phone people, um, you know, and you're stuck in this little dingy room with three people and you, everyone's depressed and hating life. Um, and everybody else is out drinking <laughs> and I don't, I don't drink really. So, you know, I, I saw that as a very big negative, but, um, yeah, as, as, as downsides, uh, other downsides would be, uh, constant courses, which you have to do. Like I had to do a wiring husbandry course every six months where they tell me not to twist wires and not to stand on wires and everything. It's just common sense. And it's like every six months I had to do it. And it was just ridiculous. I was like, I, I know this stuff, but they just make you, it's just courses after courses, which everybody knows. And you just have to keep passing them just so they can take a little, take a little book to say that it's uh, acceptable and you know what you're doing and they can blame it on you if you do it wrong. Interesting. Interesting. So why did you end up leaving the military? So I left the military because of a girl, um, which kind of gets onto why I'm in Canada as well. Um, basically I went on a lad's holiday. I, I broke up with an ex. Um, I went on a lad's holiday to Vegas. We we're like, yeah, boys, let's go to Vegas. You know, it was all of our birthdays are around October time. Well, five of our birthdays, well, one wasn't, but we brought them along anyway. And uh, we all went out in October and I met my girlfriend on the night out, the first night out. And I forgot I was on a lad's holiday and kind of had like a little holiday romance with her. And I came home and we kept talking and uh, eventually um, we were like, well, let's try and make this work. So we did long distance and I was like, come over to the UK. You can live in a Maricourt with me. You know, we can blah, 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 blah. And then uh, she uh, pretty much said I would, but my sister's just got pregnant and I don't want to miss being an auntie. And I was like, damn, okay, well, I'll move over to you then. <laughs> so <laughs> I put my notice into the Air Force. I went and found out how I could get a visa for Canada and I moved over. Was it hard to get a visa to move to Canada? um no uh for for me um i'm in a lucky position obviously part of the uh commonwealth 
they have a um an iec visa which is international experience canada visa it's the young person's travel visa um that's what most of the people who come over and work on like the ski resorts get so if you're under the age of 29 there's a load of countries australia new zealand south africa germany france spain italy portugal i believe all of those are part of it there's loads of other countries as well where if you're under 29 you can get a two-year work and travel visa so you can come over and you're a temporary resident and you can work and travel in canada and do whatever you want um and then canada can obviously go the other way doing that in australia and the uk and all of that as well so i used that visa to get across and then obviously when i moved over i moved straight in with my girlfriend um and then after a year of living together we obviously became common law um and through that she could sponsor me to become a permanent resident so oh interesting we did it that way so you're a permanent resident now yes i'm a permanent resident currently um and soon i'll be applying for my citizenship so i'll be a canadian yay (laughs) (laughs) um how do do you think getting a a citizenship is is hard in canada or say again sorry sorry um do you think that it's hard to get a citizenship in canada um um well, it all depends on your circumstances, right? For me, um, obviously, I've lived here now for just over three years. I came over just before COVID started. I literally like a month and a half before COVID started. Um, so I've already lived here for quite a while. Um, but getting citizenship, obviously, you have to be a permanent resident and then have three years of living in Canada from the date of your permanent resident being given in the last five years. So it's more of a time-based thing for becoming a citizen. And then obviously you have to pass the background checks, make sure you're not a criminal, make sure you don't have loads of other stuff. But um, I wouldn't say it's too difficult to become a citizen of Canada compared to some other countries. Yeah, so you said that you moved here right before the pandemic. I'm so sorry for yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, at <laughs> least you're in Alberta and not in Ontario because that was pretty brutal. But how how were the lockdowns in Alberta? Um, for me, the lockdowns weren't too bad. Um, like, as, as I said, when I was younger, I enjoy playing games. I still enjoy playing games to this day. So for me, it was kind of like... I had this wild opportunity where I could get online and all of my friends from the UK were online and, you know, um, I would have like this massive friend network and like my girlfriend would sit online with us and like we'd just have these chats, everyone would do quizzes and I don't know, I had a really good like friend group online. Like the people who don't live their lives like connected to the internet would have really suffered, I feel. Um, Like the ones who always go out for coffees and you know, like to, on a Saturday, go down the park and have a picnic and stuff um, would really suffer. But for me personally, um, I was really lucky because I'd obviously moved away from all my friends and we live our lives online. So we kind of, I think it was great. Um, It got a little bit boring towards the end, obviously. Um, But for me personally, I didn't really suffer too much from the lockdowns, but I would have rather them not happen at all, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like I'm, I definitely suffered big time. <laughs> yeah, especially being in Ontario, like it was, it, it was brutal because I'm an extrovert through and through. And um, yeah. when the lockdowns first happened, it was like one week I was going out like three times a week, working full time, and then it all stopped. And it was like, oh my god, what am I gonna do with my time? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was brutal, and then it, it just wouldn't and <laughs> that was the worst yeah, like part for me, yeah like i i worked i worked outside just before the the covid like happened and then when it started happening um obviously i live with my girlfriend and her parents i'm lucky enough to live with her parents as well um so we had quite we have quite a lot of space we live on an acreage so um we weren't like i feel sorry for the people who were like locked down to like a, a flat or an apartment um like we obviously had a couple of acres where we could go outside and you know walk around and still kind of function um and i had to stop my job because obviously nobody knew how bad covid was when it started and everyone was a little bit scared so um i i quit my job there and i started uh streaming online for money like playing games online i did that for almost a year um but i found out really depressing as well because that, that sort of job, like, it looks really fun. Um, and a lot of kids aspire to do it these days. Like, my little brother's like, oh, I want to be a streamer. And I was like, you don't, because it's, it's a very depressing job. Um, but, yeah, it was, I don't know. Alberta wasn't too bad. Like, the, the lockdowns were as short as they needed to be here. They weren't extended out. Yeah, not, not in Ontario. Like, it was, um, well... It it kind of eased up a little bit in the summer of 2020 because like in the summer of 2020 i was everywhere like me and my friend yeah. we literally every single weekend we were somewhere camping or doing something going to concert and or maybe that was 20 sorry that was 2021 not 2020 i did nothing 2020 <laughs> Um, but yeah, 2021, we were still in a lockdown. So that's why I don't remember much about 2020, but yeah. I was, yeah, I, like, and I never really stopped my life for the lockdowns. Like I never really listened to them. They used to say like, you can't go 50 kilometers away from your house. And I was like at my parents, which like, they're like 350 yeah. kilometers away from <laughs> me. And, and I was yeah. like, too bad. So sad. And I also kind of always had like an excuse to do whatever I want. Cause I'm a farmer. So I could just yeah. say like, Oh, I'm going to milk or I'm going to go help my dad. Yes. Calf where you work. Something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I definitely had some excuses, but no one really like the police officers just didn't do anything like didn't care. So no mm. one like, oh, yeah. was most, stopped most of them that. thought it was ridiculous as well. A lot yeah. Of yeah. And, and what was really, really surprising about the lockdowns in Ontario is that, you know, we voted in a conservative uh, government and I was a fan of, of Ford when he first came in and, oh boy, <laughs> I'm no longer a fan. Yeah. yeah. Ford really showed his colors during the lockdown. He was, uh, wasn't great. He was not great. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, so, what what do you do now? 
Okay, so now I um, I started a construction subcontracting company. Um, so I subcontract uh, exterior finishing. So vinyl, hardy um, finishing. So I kind of just finish off houses on the outside, do uh, repairs for hail damage. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of what I do at the moment. Oh yeah, cool. Um, like, do you have any employees at that? Um, um not currently. Um, originally, I was meant to go into business with someone. Um, but when it came to actually doing it, um, I think he got cold feet. Didn't want to invest the money. Didn't want to buy the equipment. So, um, I I offered to buy the equipment, and obviously take a little bit more of the company. I asked for fifty five percent instead of forty five percent when I paid for all the equipment and he thought I was trying to scam him, which I definitely wasn't. Um, I always wanted to go into business with him. So that kind of fell apart. So I'm kind of working on my own at the moment. Um, I may be working with someone in the new year. Um, we might be kind of working together um, with our two separate companies, but taking on the same contracts together and kind of working as a, as a pair. Um, but my, my plan is to hire someone in the next year. Um, like next, like June, July sort of time. Um, hopefully get one person then and then hopefully pick someone up again in October, November time and have a couple of people underneath me um, and then slowly build up the company from there. But it's still early days. That's awesome. And what have you learned uh, from being a company owner or since becoming a um, company owner? Well, well, the one thing I've learned um, since starting fully on my own is I will never, as long as it's possible, never work for somebody else again. Um, I'll never become an employee again. Um, because the benefits you have from being your own boss and the freedom it gives you is just too good to give up. Um, you know, when you wake up and you're like, oh, mm, yeah, I fancy an extra iron bed and you, you can just have it, you know, or, you know, it's like, you be like, oh, I really wanted Monday off because I I wanted to do this. So you're like, well, I'll just work the Saturday instead then. And you just have this flexibility um, to just do what you want when you want. Um, and then you have all of the financial benefits as well. Like even if you make less money as a self-employed person, you make more money because you can save so much money on certain things. So... For example, now my vehicle, which I drive, is now a work vehicle because I use it for work, so I can get cheaper insurance, um, which I can write off against my earnings. So that's that's cleared post uh, pre-tax. Um, I just changed my phone bill over. That was a big one. Um, I was paying ninety dollars a month for my phone bill. Now I pay a hundred and five dollars a month for mine and my girlfriend's phone bill, and we get. 100 gigabytes of data each and we get 105 dollars a month between us it's it's crazy how much benefit you get from being self-employed and a business owner um and i would recommend anyone who has an opportunity to do that is to go after it because whilst you're working for somebody else you're not going to be working for yourself um and that was something i was told when i was going into it and it's something i can only um repeat really it's it's a really important thing for me is Making less money for yourself is better than making more money for someone else. 
Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree with that. I work a nine to five right now, like a uh, in corporate, which is fine because yep. it does give me a lot of flexibility. But at the same time, I'm also building my company, and sometimes yep. I'm like, oh my god, this is like pretty difficult having to do both at the same time, right? But hundred percent. It's like, when are you going to take that step to going fully um, for yourself? Because right now I can't because it's so new. But yeah, it's, it's that that's going to be a difficult decision whenever that time comes um, yeah. to, to make that decision. Yeah, well, the, the best time, or in my opinion anyway, the best time to make that decision is when your job begins to get in the way of your business right so when you don't have enough time to do your business and your job that's the time when you have to make the change but obviously mm -hmm. it's different for every person and every person has to work out one when it makes most sense for them personally and financially obviously yeah for sure because you still <laughs> you still need to live i i would love to just do my business but it just yeah. Right now, not really feasible, but, you know, hopefully in the near future, it starts becoming a little bit more feasible. But yeah, um, so you got on TikTok a few months ago, and that's how we met. Um, tell me why, like why you started it and what you're trying to to do. Yeah, so um, originally when I was on TikTok, I used to make like fitness content. It was kind of just like a, it was a personal log for like me going to the gym. And then eventually one day I was scrolling through and obviously the algorithm was giving me stuff and this guy was making a comment and he was from Ontario and he was making a comment about Alberta and it was completely wrong and I was just like, wait, I'm just going to call this guy out. I don't care. Um, and I called this guy out and the kind of video just went, it went like insane. Um, it got like 150,000 views in like seven hours, you know, a couple of thousand comments, like 10,000 likes. I was like, oh. And I was like, people are like, wow, man, you know a lot. Like, it's it's crazy that you know more about, like, Alberta than Canadians do, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, yeah, I kind of like politics. And I was like, well, if I see anything else, I call it out as well. So a couple of days later, I saw something else, called it out, and people were like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. We need more people like you on here. And I was like, okay, well, I guess the people want me. <laughs> so um i just started i just started making more content and um yeah I, I i try to i tried like on tiktok i try to be as honest as possible um i don't i don't um change my viewpoint to fit a narrative for mm -hmm. my side of the fence i'll always be as fair as possible and i'll always be honest in my approach um and I think that's important because a lot of people will get on and then they'll just kind of have their side and then even if they don't fully agree with it, they'll kind of put across the, the viewpoint that they do fully agree with it. And I think that's detrimental to society as a whole when you have people who will just sit with something just because that's their viewpoint and they won't open themselves up for discussion or to actually have like real discourse they'll just parrot whatever their their side says and that's what they believe fully and that's what they parrot and i, don't, I just think that's detrimental 
Yeah, I've definitely seen that. TikTok is like an echo chamber, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, it really brings out either the best or the worst. And I'd like to yeah. think it brings out the best in me, but sometimes I wonder because, <laughs> you know, when when you start getting um, high amount of followers and like likes and stuff, it gets really addicting in my opinion. Like I felt it yeah. where, you know, I, I've taken a bit of a step back now, which is weird because like my account is growing more. But before I was mm-hmm. like posting five times a day, about how much Justin Trudeau sucks. And it was like, you know, sometimes I, I need to take a step back and be like, okay, what am I actually trying to accomplish here? Like, I don't just want to be spewing hate, even if it's towards Justin Trudeau, which I don't like. Yeah. But Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I tried to stay away from uh, opinion-based stuff. So, you know, like, if Justin Trudeau does something in particular, I'll call him out. Um, but I won't be—I won't be the person on here being like, "Yeah, Justin Trudeau is this and he's that, and I believe he's like this, and I believe he did that, and I believe this, and I believe that." It's like unless there's evidence to support it, I won't. Um, I won't speak about it because any time that it's just a rumor or hearsay, when you start talking about that stuff and then it comes out that it's not right um it just makes you look uninformed it makes you look bigoted in my opinion um and it makes you look like you're just trying to make someone look bad because somebody else said something and instead of you doing your own research to find out if it's true you're just saying it as well which means you're just as uninformed as the other people so um i'll always try anytime i read something the first thing i do before I get emotional or react to it, is go onto Google and actually try and find evidence of it. Um, like the other day I had, um, I can't even remember what his surname is, but Josh, he's some some nut job on, on TikTok. And he was like, yeah, the, uh, the uh, First Nations own everything under six inches under the ground from one of the packs. And I went onto Google and I could not find any evidence for it at all. And I was like, okay, where, where's, he, where's this guy got it from? So I asked him for a source. And then he goes, oh, do you not heard of Google? And I was like, yeah, I, I have. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. Can you find it for me? Um, and he comes back, no, I'm not going to do your research for you. You're just an idiot. And I was like, well, clearly this is a lie then because nobody else could find it. For like five or five to ten people also commented, like, we can't find anything on this. Where would you get it from? Um, and that, those sort of people who were just, they probably read it somewhere or heard it somewhere from someone else. And they're like, this is fact, you know? And it's just like, it's not. It's the same way as when you talk about a vaccine, going to go to vaccines. But when they said, oh, it stops transmission, it doesn't. You know, Mm -hmm. the evidence is there. Now all of the documentation is there. They no longer says that it stops transmission. They say it it reduces transmission, which is completely different. Um, And people still believe that it stops transmission. And I was having an argument with someone today. Oh, this stops transmission. I was like, it doesn't. It reduces transmission. They're like, yeah, exactly. It stops transmission. I'm like, it's completely different. Completely different. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, TikTok is interesting. Like, I have to sometimes check myself and be like, am I posting this because of, like, you know, the views? Because I know it's going to get a lot of views and, and a lot of, like, interaction. Or am I, like... Sometimes I like, you know, 
you start getting to that level where it's like you really have to think to yourself like what am i doing like i i don't know i feel like i'm having an existential crisis every day on on tiktok it's like yeah because it's so like there's so much stuff in your face you know um so many mm-hmm. opinions and then every single video like there's at least one person who's gonna say you're like the worst and i'm like okay like it could be like yeah. the best video and there's someone that's gonna that's gonna try to like just bring you down and then like i posted a video the other day about i think it was like the monopoly of grocery stores and like some people were like oh yeah defending no, there's grocery not stores. A... sorry yeah, like it it, they'll they'll come out and they'll be defending grocery stores because they don't just they like they know you're a they know you're conservative they know you're right wing and then and they, instantly they'll be like no there's not a monopoly on grocery stores you know because five years ago liberals hated big pharma but look at them now they're like no Pfizer are great Moderna's great it's just like what is how did you flip from like hating big pharma to like completely backing them you know mm-hmm. it's it's crazy how quickly somebody will flip their viewpoint because the government's narrative has completely changed and it'll just completely flip because that's one thing i always said when i was when like the covid thing was happening i was like what would have happened if trump was in power i always think this i'm like what would have happened if trump won the re-election like Mm -hmm. would it be conservatives trying to push vaccines on people and i'm like that never would have happened people would always say like we're not gonna take this um and the liberals wouldn't want to take it anyway because the conservatives are pushing it so it's it's like i i'd really love to like see like if, if it was possible to like see the alternate universe where trump was in power and his government was trying to be like go out and get vaccinated you know what would have happened it would have been so weird I think like Health Canada wouldn't have approved it personally. Like, oh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't because like I, I don't think Trump would have pushed the FDA into it. Because like you, you remember um, Kamala Harris was one of the prime mm-hmm. people where she was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take this vaccine just because Trump says it's safe. I want to see full evidence that it's safe." You know, and then suddenly they get into power, and a month later they're like, "Yeah, this is this is safe. Take it. Go on, come on, let's go." And it was just like just the flip instant because I guess she was on the way of making money from it. Um, and it was just it's crazy to me how people will just side with the politician they choose and just believe everything. And it it's kind of scary. It's, it's scary how well people are programmed. Yeah, like there's, um, there's definitely people who, you know, are aligned and in Canada, and I don't know about Britain, if they're like that too, but in Canada, I've noticed like there's diehard liberals. It does not matter if Justin Trudeau could, could literally go out and shoot someone on the street and they would still vote liberal. Like there's nothing that he oh, can do. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But it's the same with conservatives. Like I used to work for a guy. And he told me, like, I would never vote anything other than conservative. And I was like, really? Like, okay, I I know the conservatives are good right now. Like, I'm supporting them right now. But if they did something I didn't agree with or they, if they did a radical turn like the left did in the last 10 years, like, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, bye-bye, conservatives. Like, you know, and he... He told me, he's like, no, I'm always going to vote conservative. It doesn't matter 
I'm never going to change. And it's like, why are people like this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary. Like right now, I don't see an alternative to the Conservative Party in Canada. Um, but I feel there needs to be a big change um, in, in, in the federal government. Because um, right now, it's either you're extreme left, you're mid-left, or you're pretty far right. Um, and there needs to be someone more central. And I think if some, if a, if a party goes central, they'll, they'll pick up a lot of votes. But mm-hmm. right now there's no party, which looks like they're going to go anywhere near the center. So it's either left, extreme left or right at the moment. Yeah. I don't even know if I consider Pierre Poliev to be super right. I, I think like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't seen his policies yet. He hasn't really come out with any policies but he's very um like the right in canada i guess it's more right than we've had in the last two years which i i actually think it's a good thing because having two liberal conservatives wasn't a good strategy to win elections but i think that um like he's very like he's pro-choice he's um you know he's like a libertarian conservative i i would describe him yep yeah and I, I i really like i really like his um his policies on um like kind of standing back like he wants to he doesn't want to be big government you know and he's like i want to build more homes how am i going to build more homes i'm going to make it so the government's not standing in the way of developers building more homes and it's just like great that's what we need you know and mm-hmm. it's good that he's what he's saying sounds good um but whether he actually comes out with a decent platform when elections come around um and he actually stands by his words is the other thing is another thing to be seen you know there's a lot of politicians out there who sound really good um but don't really do much barack obama was a prime example of that you know he was one of the most like well-spoken believable character uh, charismatic people ever in politics you know you want to you want to sit down and have a conversation with someone like barack obama is a great guy to sit down and have a conversation with but when it comes to actually leading and his policies he was kind of all over the place and didn't really do much you know so i don't know it's it's going to be yeah. interesting to see where what polyev does but it's early days and I don't trust him. I'll, I'll say that. Like, you know, he sounds good, but there's, there's got to be some proof in the pudding. There's got to be a little bit of following through on his word before I can really trust him. Yeah. Um, like, my opinion about Polyev is obviously I like the guy. I have, like, literally his sign on my fridge, and my dad has, but we're not, like, diehard, like, Polyev fans, we just have his sign on my (laughs) fridge. (laughs) But um, the thing is, like, after the seven years of Trudeau, it's so hard to trust any politician. And, you know, Trudeau, he talks a lot about, um, because one of Canada's big mottos, or it used to be, was good government. And Trudeau uses that, and he's he's abused that, right? He's abused that um, motto for his own gain saying well because the constitution says good government or the motto of canada says good government i don't even know where it is but 
you know, that must mean that we're a good government. And he's really, really destroyed Canadian politics. Like I, I've been in politics since I was eight years old. So I'm 23 now. So 15 years. And I've never seen as much damage to the politics than the last three years. Like, oh yeah, like living under I, I Stephen Harper. I think on a global scale, though, politics in the last, like, since COVID started, politics have become like so extreme. It's crazy. Like, you look at the UK government, the Conservative Party in the UK have absolutely taken that country to its knees. And oh my god! Yeah, is it is criminal what they're doing over there um and it's the same with the liberals here but the liberals here are making it seem a lot better than it actually is because obviously when it comes to the g7 and representing numbers on inflation and stuff each country decides how they um use their data to create their figures and the liberals are very smart and they remove a lot of stuff um so it doesn't make like their inflation look that bad mm -hmm. um like they use fuel costs pre-tax you know so they don't they don't account for costs with the new carbon tax or the tax and stuff so they only look at the actual price they're paying for the fuel so how much the oil company is charging the petrol station and how much money the petrol station is making profit on the consumer that's all they that's all they use instead of using the price that it was three years ago and the price it is today which is a big difference um mm. so they're very smart on how they do it and they're very devious but yeah it's the, the canada is in a bad bad spot right now very bad spot yeah and, you know, I was listening to a, Trude a speech of Trudeau basically rebutting Pyapaliev's speech, saying that, you know, Pyapaliev said Canada's broken, and I fully agree with him. Like, Canada is broken. You look at the MAID policies, you look at um, the homelessness. I went to Toronto for a concert, and I've never seen this before. I've been to Toronto quite a bit, and there's tents on Bay Street. And maybe I just oh, yeah. haven't been there in the winter, but I've never actually seen that before ever in my life. And I've been to Toronto, like, I don't know, like 20 times to Bay Street, like, and I've never seen yep. like tents just lined up on Bay Street. And that's like, if you know Toronto, like it's the street, right? It's like the street of Toronto. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never been to Toronto, but I've seen videos from um vancouver um where literally like there is streets upon streets upon streets of people on the streets now um mm -hmm. and obviously last night obviously we postponed um from last night I, I went to a charity uh food drive concert for the okotoks food bank which is like my local town i live just below calgary and they were saying there that one in 15 families had accessed food banks in the last month in Okotoks, which is 7% of the population are in food poverty at the moment in Okotoks. And Okotoks is quite a prosperous town, I would say. It's it's a higher earning town. It's not like um, 
a low earning town it's most people here are like in quite good jobs you know it's it's where you move when you don't want to be in the in the city anymore but you you still travel to calgary to work sort of thing so but one in 15 families seven percent are in food poverty and it's kind of scary like you never thought that would happen in alberta but it is it's it's bad yeah Yeah, it's it's so bad and like a lot of these policies like i was i was watching um someone tweeted about the the fertilizer tariffs apparently this is like a tweet that i saw from like a professor of food or something like that all of the tariffs did not affect russia at all it was basically collected off of the back of canadian farmers and guess what they're doing with that money now they're sending it it to ukraine Ukraine. (laughs) yeah yeah i I saw it was like 650 million recently went there it's it like this whole ukraine ukraine russia thing is it's getting to the point where you have to help the individuals in ukraine and i fully Mm -hmm. i fully support um giving asylum across Europe, across America, across Canada for Ukrainians. They want to get out of the country, but at the same time, it's not our war. Mm-hmm. And we have to step back because all it's doing is negatively affecting the whole world. The whole world is suffering because, as always, America and NATO want to put their big boy pants on and get involved in a war which isn't theirs yeah and i would argue that america specifically the democrats have been wanting a war with russia for quite some time at least since trump since trump got in because i don't know if you remember this but in 2016 anything and anyone who liked trump or who remotely agreed with trump was labeled a russian um Russian spy yeah. to Putin yeah. and Trump was labeled that himself. And, you know, I, I like, I have Russian friends and, and I know a lot of people who are Russian and, and I'm kind of scared for them because, you know, like we have this such hate for Russians and like, yeah, Putin, like, I don't agree with him invading another country, but at the same time, like, why are we bankrupting our country? First of all, like every single country is being bankrupted by by Ukraine and where is this money going like this is the other thing like i think it was in the us where the the republicans are trying to get an audit and they're only able to account for 10% of the money that is sent to ukraine so where is that money why are we sending all this money if it's not even getting there yeah, like they were saying that it was like um, most of the most of the arms, like the munitions, the ammo, and the weapons, they'd get across the border and then it'd disappear, and there's no traceability for them. And it's just like, why are we sending weapons and then having no idea where they're going? It's yeah, it's it's crazy. The whole the whole situation's crazy. I called it from the start. I, I said like if. If NATO gets involved, it's just going to be a huge dragged out situation because Russia won't stomp them. Russia can stomp them. 
this is the big thing when people like talk about it and they're like oh yeah russia like look at them they're like uh, they're on their knees their military's on their knees i'm like they haven't even used their military like this is this is russia this is this is the country who literally just sent millions of people like running at the germans in world war Two. like they have so many supplies so many supplies if they wanted to they could just fly over ukraine tomorrow and just carpet bomb the whole country they could do mm-hmm. it they won't do it because that's seen as a war crime now but it's 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 crazy that people are like yeah the ukrainians uh they're not gonna get beaten it's like ukraine has what's their population like 45 million i i don't even know 43.8 million people um 43.8 million people and they were losing thousands of people a day they, they can't go on forever and ever right and mm-hmm. russia can like the russian rubles the best it's ever been like it's their 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 economy is booming right now everyone's like oh yeah their economy's in the in the dump i'm like it's 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 really not it's they're still exporting oil they're just exporting it to the to asia and they're making the asians buy uh russian rubles to buy the oil with so their currency is like in high demand um and now you've got europe on its knees germany using coal fire plants to power generators it's the whole world is on its knees because America and Europe won't get out of a war that they're not really involved in. And it's it's so detrimental to the world. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's intentional. Like, it doesn't make sense that people would intentionally bankrupt countries just for Ukraine. Like, and what what actually gets me the most is, like, the people with the ukraine flags in their bios <laughs> like mm-hmm. and they just like fiercely like love that country and i'm like you guys didn't even know about ukraine before you like ukraine got in- invaded like let's be honest here you know and they're just so passionate but like for me when ukraine first started honestly like i knew ukraine was gonna get invaded after trump yep. lost like i predicted it taiwan is gonna get invaded by china probably this winter or next winter like i knew this especially after the afghanistan withdrawal uh with biden i knew it i was like there's no way he's not gonna invade like that's so stupid like there's such a weak leader in the u.s and all around the world but like the u.s is the leading superpower of course he's gonna invade like duh and then they invaded two days after you know trudeau descended on the freedom convoy protesters and i was i actually like did not even care about ukraine like everyone was like oh my god like you know do you care about ukraine and i was like no i didn't even cover it for like a good five months on tiktok because i was like i'm not gonna sit here and after the media lied about the freedom convoy for literally like six or four weeks and then turn around and be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to get my news from you guys <laughs> for the Ukraine thing. And there's just so yep. many anomalies. Like, I don't know. I saw through Zelensky, like, right away. I was like, hey, why are these people fawning over him? And it just looked so fake. And it was fake. Yep. A lot of the yeah, footage. Yeah, using green screens and stuff. It was, it was, it was. Like it was, it was a, it was a political propaganda masterclass, really, because they were propping him up to be this like 
this war hero when I'm still not sure if he's even in Ukraine anymore. Um, and he, over the course of the last couple of, like this year, he's banned other political parties. You know, mm. he's he's stomping on political rights across the whole country. And he's being propped up by the Western governments now. And they're, they're declaring him uh, democratic. And in, in reality, he's he's a fascist leader. He's he's stopped the ability for other parties to have any chance of pushing him out. Um, and he keeps asking for more money and we keep giving it to him. And it's just... Yeah. It, it's yeah. crazy. Like, And they banned the church. Did you hear that? They did what? Sorry? They they banned the church. The Orthodox, uh, Orthodox Church. They like completely banned it in Ukraine. I was like, so much for freedom and democracy, you know? I did not... I did not hear about that. But that's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, like, you know... It, it's honestly, like, I, I just... I don't even know what to think when it comes to Ukraine because it's like it to me seems like first of all Canada like let's talk about Canada for a minute. Canada is a peacemaking country. Okay, this is what we've been since World War II. We go in without arms for whatever reason, and we try to make peace. Why mm -hmm. are we not doing this with Ukraine? This is what I don't understand is like, you know, f my whole childhood when I, we were le learning about history and stuff, um, we were always told Canadian, uh, like the Canadians were like peacemakers, you know, like we're like negotiators. We try to bring peace to the war, but yet we're sending like almost billions of dollars to Ukraine. And for what, re like we're literally not even doing what we're supposed to do, which is negotiating. Yeah. Um, I, I personally believe the main reason for that is because our leadership's weak. You know, uh, five years ago, you had Donald Trump who, what he said, he meant, you know, he didn't, he didn't mess about with his words. You know, he said to like North Korea is like, you want to start something? Let's start something. Like I'll, I'll destroy your country in, in 10 hours or whatever it was. He said, you know, um, the same with like ISIS. He was like, you want to go for it? Let's go for it. I'll just, we could destroy your country in 10 minutes. And then they quickly like came to like some agreements with Trump because they knew Trump wasn't messing about. Whereas Biden's just, he's so weak. Like you can't take the guy seriously. Um, and Putin knows he can, he can push, mm -hmm. you know, and he just keeps pushing and he's, he's proven here. Like he can keep pushing. And Russia's exports are natural resources. They're not going anywhere. You know, it's not like, it's not like China where if you're like, oh yeah, China, we're not going to do any deals with you anymore. We're going to turn it off. And then China like falls to its knees because all they, all they do is like production. It's like Russia's like, okay, well come and let us know when you need the oil. Cause we know you need it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's scary. It is. And, and Biden, I mean, I don't even think about Biden because he's not the one running the country. Like he has dementia. Um, his handlers are the ones that are the problem. Like, I don't even know who handles that guy. 
that's what I've been wondering because it's not Kamala Harris because she's as stupid as Pelosi. She Pelosi is. does a lot of it. Yeah. Um, Nancy Pelosi does a lot of it. Um, in a lot of his interviews, he'll be sat there and, and they'll be like, "Oh, we're gonna ask some questions," and then Pelosi will be like, "No, we're not gonna do that." And he's like, "Okay, no questions. Bye." <laughs> <laughs> you know. So. Um. Yeah. Yeah, Pelosi. Uh... Yeah, I think, I don't know. Like, I, I've always thought Obama might be behind it, too. Um, there's, like, a possibility he might be behind it. But I don't know. Like, it's really hard to tell who who's in charge of the country because it's not Biden. It's not Kamala Harris. It's not either of those two. So I... I guess maybe Pelosi and yeah. Yeah. The whole thing's just a mess. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to end it here. So thank you so much for coming back okay. on my podcast. So where can we find you? Um, at the moment, just on TikTok. I'm Alberta immigrant on TikTok. Um, that's all I use for now for social media. Yeah, and of course, I will tag your links in the, in, uh, the description as usual. And yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Been good.